where I got the term fatal conveniences was from a researcher buddy, Dr. Mohsen Hurmanish, who's an incredible human being. He is so smart and he needs to create language that doesn't exist so he can explain things that people don't understand. That's it's, so cool. Yes. He showed me the first EMF studies 25 years ago and he said, this is a problem. This is called the fatal convenience. Wow. I was like. He said it, huh? He said it. And how right was he? And how right was he? And so I had never forgot that term and I never forgot how he scared the shit out of me early on with cell phones. Hey there, welcome to Thriving with Technology, the science-led podcast that's here to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world. And I'm your host, I'm Marcus Bryce from techwellness.com. This show is designed to give you a practical approach on how to navigate the important tech toxins in our world. We have real-life stories, experiences, and non-fear-based facts about cybersecurity and EMFs, your online privacy, internet overuse, what leads to addiction, blue light, oh, and so much more. So thank you. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Thriving with Technology, the tech wellness podcast with August Bryce. Hi there. Hey, everybody. You know, I'm so happy that you're here and that everyone is here because Darren Olean is on the show today. It's a two-parter. Mm -hmm. It's your very first two-parter. And why? Because there's so much good stuff. I mean, this is probably my favorite podcast so far just because of the breadth of information and the sort of emotional stories that you guys get into. Let's let's. Tell everybody who Darren is. I think know. everyone knows who Darren is, Probably. of course. Yeah. Darren Olean, he's the co-host with Zach Efron of that hit Netflix series, Down to Earth. You've seen it? It won an Emmy. It has. And you were just watching it yeah, the other day in uh, This last so season is in Australia. So they're all over Australia exploring the different, you know, natural healing and food things. And they're getting together with Aborigines. It's very, it's super well done. It's very well produced. It's really great. You should see it if you have not. You know, every time I watch Darren or every time I listen to his podcast and he has the podcast, The Darren Aline Show, which is awesome too. And now he's got his new book, Fatal Conveniences. Yes. And now every time I see or hear Darren, I'm learning so much from him. And it's interesting because my lifestyle has always been one that's, you know, very toxin-free, organic, natural. That's been my vibe since we met, right? It is. Should I tell everyone how you throw away all the cleaning products that I might bring in that may not say uh, natural or organic? Shall I tell everyone that you actually go and buy them? Mm, well, Knowing what I... they could do to the earth and to your body? It's so convenient, though. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> now, the, the toxins that Darren's going to talk about... Yep can cause so many problems, not just to the earth, but to our bodies, like chemical sensitivities, autoimmune issues, obesity. So many chronic health issues now are actually related to these toxins. And also the best part about what Darren and I talk about is that there are solutions. True. I mean, he, he comes up with a way to avoid the fatal conveniences, but I think what's also very interesting about this particular podcast that you're about to hear is the story behind how he got to write the book and sort of the motivation behind this life course that he has been following for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a very uh, deep and emotional story. Just to give you a hint, we didn't really talk about this in the interview, but he came home during the Malibu fires and found his house had been completely destroyed. 
And so he took that opportunity to say, I'm going to start all over again. I'm going to go off the grid pretty much here. I'm going to build a new home that is just cleaner and greener than any home anywhere. And he's working on that now. But he also took time to explore these fatal conveniences. And it took a lot of research on every single one. He dove deep. And that's how you found him. Or he found you, right? He found you because of your experience with EMFs. And he, he sought you out. He was actually looking for the hardwired kit. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. And cool. you know, when I saw, well, of course, first the staff saw his his name come by. And they're like, oh my gosh. Darren Olean just got a hardwired kit. I thought, oh, that's so cool. That just made me smile. And then to see that I was actually mentioned in Fatal Conveniences, that was huge too. But you know, Darren has spent most of his life obsessively researching the conveniences. To me, the fact that he's raising our awareness of all of these dangers, including some of the things I talk about, but mostly things that even though I've been aware for years about the toxic chemicals and for years about the benefits of eating organic. There were so many things that I learned from reading the book. I was really amazed by the whole thing with clothing, how the toxins used in making our clothes are really incredible and they can just be off gassing on us while we're wearing them. Right. I mean, it's pretty crazy. You know, Darren is brilliant, but he was so warm and accessible. Super nice, right? And boy, does he have a great voice. He's got a very, very, very nice voice. You said that a few I'm gonna, times. I'm going to get him some VO jobs for sure before <laughs> AI takes all that away from us. He needs to get some voiceover work. He's great. So before he becomes so big that we can't even get him on a podcast, here he is. Enjoy learning and listening to Darren Olean. So can you please share your story about how you got into non-toxic living? Yeah, it was my dad. I was a Minnesota kid. We had a garden outside, middle class. My dad was a professor at the University of Minnesota and normal kind of kid. And I went to college in Minneapolis and I was in the middle of a physiology, kinesiology, nutrition study. And it's kind of out of nowhere. My dad started talking about hey, I think I'm having some issues. And he was then at that point, and I was away at college, so I didn't know the nuances in the beginning, but he was having some neurological issues and some brain fog. And he'd always been healthy. Always, yeah. I mean, he was a cut to, later in his life, he started doing triathlons. He got me to do Mm -hmm. my first triathlon when I was 16. That was in 1986. More than healthy. Right. Super fit. And so, yeah, we were riding, I was a BMX kid, And then I started doing road cycling with my dad. So we shared that. We ended up motorcycling together and Harleys and everything else. But in the 90s, when I was at college, my dad had transitioned as a professor to a counselor uh, at the University of Minnesota. So he was around kind of people. But then he wasn't, he was a high functioning person, right? He was smart and could deal with a lot of input and output. And so he was having a hard time kind of, he was getting depressed. He couldn't function. And for him to not have functioning Mm -hmm. and have his sleep disrupted and fog out. And when he would fog out, he would need days to recover. And so finally, through a few doctors, they finally kind of diagnosed him as having chemical sensitivity. And so when he said this, and I think he sent like a VHS recorded tape Mm -hmm. to me to like, hey, check this out. I think I have this 
condition. And then you're like going, what? Because wow. I've known him all his life. Right. I've never and known. Picture of health. Yeah. And he wore his colognes and his aftershaves mm -hmm. and everything else. So <laughs> that never was a thing. And so when you get your dad telling you about this stuff and then he goes, hey, man, if you're coming home for the weekend, I can't function if you wear what you're wearing and laundry detergent you have to wash and the laundry detergent i'm going to send you the shampoo the conditioner the body wash mm. like all of it and you can't wear any heavy print as a t-shirt because that off gassing of the formaldehydes and the dyes and all of that stuff wow. would, would tweak him out and i was like holy shit like what and so i didn't believe him mm -hmm. Like I thought it was in his head, of course. Like I didn't, no one knew about this stuff. And so I went along with it. So I took, got his care package and I washed the clothes and the non-scented stuff and non-scented everything just so I could hang out with my dad. And sure enough, after going through that exercise over a period of time, now you're talking weeks and months and years, I started to realize that I never liked any of those smells either. And when I would then smell those, it would feel abusive. Mm. It was the first word that came into my mind. So I wasn't sensitive, but now detoxing myself, I became sensitive. In a good way. In a good way. And so realizing that this is an abusive smell that is chemically derived, that is not good for me, and this is what's causing my dad's problem. Now, I linked it together later mm -hmm. that I said, Dad, you need to detox. Your liver is probably trashed because he was an alcoholic. Oh. And then realizing he didn't have a thyroid because he was a keeper of the dragon, and that was he was the keeper of the atomic bomb on an aircraft carrier during what? the Cuban Missile Crisis, wow. right? So speaking of that, right? So you and I talked earlier about the compromises. Many mm -hmm. compromises lowers the body's ability for resilience of the immune system, of dealing with any sort of stresses in the environment. So my dad was compromised from the Navy. Then he was compromised certainly from detoxification pathways of the liver because he was an alcoholic, but he was sober for, at that point, 30 years. Okay. But I knew, so I started giving him all these greens powders back in the day. I'm like, hey, start doing this stuff because I think your body just can't handle as much. So on some level, I knew yes. why that was happening, but this was leading him down a path that he had a second family, he had new kids, two new kids coming fraternal twins and it was very stressful for him because he had no resiliency anymore so he was being forced to retire he couldn't be around people he wasn't getting a handle on this chemical sensitivity he would give all this information to his colleagues to every person coming to visit him don't wear this yes. don't wear yeah. this. this is not just me this is harmful to you he was trying to educate right yeah and he was an educator at heart so he would find the research he would highlight it he would make the vhs tapes he would make hundreds of copies and he would give it to everybody That's really amazing yeah. actually yeah and it was well before the internet was a thing so but he couldn't stay on top of it he couldn't it was like a tsunami compared to what he needed to actually change in his environment so he'd end up when i graduated he and i jumped on motorcycles and he kind of passing of the 
proverbial accomplishments and torch of being kind of a man, we had this great journey and he ended up going, I just need to go off. So he dropped me off in Boulder, Colorado. And then he ended up kind of going to a beach. He ended up going to, I think he rode all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. And he ended up finding a place where he could stay on the beach with a tent, literally. So, and he goes, I feel the best I've ever felt in years. And he was hoping that would detox him and that he would be able to step back in the world. But of course, when he came back into the world, it didn't. And so anyway, it's a very long, longer than it needs to be the story. But I saw it then as a very depressive situation. Not only when he gets exposed, it sends him down this path of not being able to function, which then is very closely tied to depression. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't function then as a new father again. And he picked up alcohol after 30 years of sobriety. And so, of course, that just accelerates everything. And so he couldn't, he was in and out of rehab, I think about 10 times. All because of chemical sensitivity. I think that is the catalyst that started him on this path of just really his ability to function as a father and as a man and as someone who was loving his second part of his life and it just got pulled out from under him and that chemical sensitivity was so isolating to someone that thrived in connecting to people and think about that dynamic He thrived in teaching. He Mm -hmm. thrived in connecting with Mm -hmm. people. He thrived in helping people have a purpose. He was getting paid for it. He was excited about it. He was thriving and excited to have new kids. And he was wildly suffering silently. And he got so depressed and he ended up manipulating some of his doctors to give him more kind of speed medications, Ritalins and stuff like that. And then that cascade, you know, he picked up alcohol again. And so, yeah, it was definitely, from my perspective, it was linked directly to his demise. And so my whole book was dedicated and is dedicated to him because I think that you and I have talked in length about EMFs. Mm -hmm. All this stuff is silent and it's invisible. And even though this book was so hard to put together, and I still see that it's hard for people to pick it up. Well, I'm reading it. I love Fatal Conveniences. (laughs) And no wonder you wrote this book. No wonder you're the health guru that you are, right? I mean, that's an amazing story. Hmm. And to know then also that now you're sensitive, but not sensitive in a bad way, in a good way. In a good way so that you would be able to write that book. So tell us more about the book. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a very, I thought, I didn't (laughs) think it was as big as it became in terms of all the research and all of the rabbit holes that it opened up. But the idea is, and I was given this, ironically, I don't think I even said this in the book, and you'll appreciate this, where I got the term fatal conveniences was from a researcher buddy, Dr. Mohsen Hurmanish, Mm -hmm. who is an incredible human being. He is so smart and he needs to create language that doesn't exist so he can explain things that people don't understand. That's so cool. He showed me the first EMF studies 25 years ago and he said, this is a problem. This is called a fatal convenience. Wow. I was like- He said it, huh? He said it. And how right was he? 
and how right was he? And so I had never forgot that term and I never forgot how he scared the shit out of me early on with cell phones. Well, my community, they understand EMF and cell phone radiation. This book is far reaching. Yeah. And so this goes into, man, this goes into the personal care, which shouldn't be the title of personal (laughs) care industry. It gets into the food industry. It gets into what's in your home. So it's those things that we all can become apathetic to in our daily life. Mm -hmm. So it's the cell phones are one of the shining examples of a fatal convenience. Of course it's convenient. Mm -hmm. Of course it's unbelievable that we can take this thing around and see where we're at on the planet and get directions from a satellite. We can call anyone in the world within a millisecond. It's unbelievable. And also the ultra processed food that is in all reaches of the planet is a convenience, but these things are radically harmful. You know, with my dad's demise and looking at the food industry being in the supplement industry for 20 years, having shouting matches with the flavoring houses, going, why are we testing these things that I said for you guys not to put in the product? And then they would say, well, it's still under the natural flavor. I said, what are you talking about? I told you not to put propylene glycol in our flavor for the supplement that I was creating, and I keep getting it in the product. Wait, why is it a natural flavor if it's called propylene glycol? Yeah, that that's under the guidelines of, so the only reason I found out is was I was kept stumbling into this argument with this flavor house. And one of the flow agents that if you call it something else, mm-hmm. like a flow agent for a flavor, it gets a pass and it gets to be under the label uh, of a natural flavor. Because it helps that natural flavor. Yeah, it helps that okay. natural flavor do its thing, but it becomes a bypass and gets, you know, the proprietary blend of that manufacturer gets to still be put under a certain percentage, still be put in as a natural flavor. And then artificial flavors can have more of it and it can have other synthetic ingredients. So you have to actually know what's in there to tell them what you don't want in there. So it makes it extremely (laughs) difficult in those scenarios. So, And we'll be right back. You know, these days, parents are dealing with something that you and I never had to deal with as parents, and that is social media. It's bad enough to have a smartphone and then you load it up with social media accounts and then, oh my gosh. I mean, the responsibility of helping your kid and guiding your kid through that process is a big one. It's one of the biggest ones parents have to deal with these days. Exactly, and that's why the Surgeon General says he wants to move up the age when kids are allowed to get a social media account from 13 to older. Yeah. He thinks that 13 may be too young based on the research that he's seeing. And I think there's a lot of parents who would agree. You recently had a video on tech wellness that I thought was just amazing. On a school bus full of kids, the only child who did not have a phone on the bus realized that the driver was having a medical emergency, had the wherewithal to get up, run to the front, stop the bus, save the driver, and probably save his friends and himself just by being aware because he was the only one not looking at his phone. That's right. And you know why I wanted to do the social media plan? 
is because so many parents weighed in and said some things that just broke my heart. I wish I'd never given my child a phone. Oh my gosh, if I could turn back time. Oh, this was the worst thing that ever happened to my kids. Because I asked, when's the right time to get your kid a phone? And a lot of people weighed in with some really deep pain or at the very least reticence. And so I thought, you know what? We need to help prepare kids for social media, for getting their phone, especially for social media, because I think that's where so much of the hurt comes from. FOMO, social comparison, anxiety. There's just so many things that can happen and can make us feel bad about ourselves and cause us not to be successful in our lives. And so we've created the Family Social Media Success Plan. It's awesome. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't give your child the key to your car and say, uh, yeah, go figure that out. It's almost like that with social media, isn't it? Exactly. The research is pretty clear. No, it's very clear. This is just like sort of guardrails. Being prepared, and that's what this family social media plan will help you with. It's so great. I love how it came out because we inform, we bring you up to date on the latest research, the latest laws about social media. And then we talk to you about maybe some of the things that you've never heard of, and we educate you on the glossary of social media. And then the best part is it's interactive. So you work with your kids no matter how old they are, if they're seven years old, eight years old, because you know, so many of those kids will have an account and you might not even know they have an account. So it gives you the opportunity to start talking to them about it and you scroll together. And even if your child's 16, it's not too late to talk about feelings to talk about the right way to show up on social media. And then the best part is, when it's all finished, you've written it down and you put it up and it stays in the forefront of your mind. I think it's really cool what you're saying is that you put it up in front of everybody in the family and everybody lives by those rules, not just the kids. It's everybody's plan, it's the whole family plan. Yeah, and I don't think of it as rules, I think of it as opportunity. It's a plan for success. It's like when, when I manifested you. That's right. <laughs> so when I was much younger, we'd been married a long time, I met someone who had had an incredible experience and she had said, you know, I put my goals up in the refrigerator. And she said, is there anything you want? And I said, well, I'm looking for my husband. I was all of 19. And so anyway, she said, well, put that list up on the refrigerator, put everything that you see in your future with the man of your dreams. And I did. And guess what? What? Come on, keep going. <laughs> I like where you go. I like where this is going. Second date. And I knew immediately, the first date, I knew, oh my gosh, it's my list. And so anyway, you knocked on the door and I was upstairs. And so you came in and I came downstairs. And who was staring at the refrigerator reading my list out loud? Me. <laughs> I pulled it off the refrigerator. And I threw it away and I never saw it again because I was so embarrassed. But guess what? Seeing something and being reminded of what you want and the reason why. Brings it to you. Is one of the keys to success. I would like to talk more about me because (laughs) this is a good moment for me. But I do want to also mention the fact that, you know, you give parents the opportunity to normalize the ability to oversee, to help. Because right now, to be a part of it, I yep. feel that some parents feel like it's it's not even their purview. They, they oh, they can't look at that account. They can't talk about that. But you know what? You can. It's your kids, and this helps you do it in a really nice, natural way. So it doesn't seem like anything, but 
being part of their life yeah. in a super good way. Like when, when my dad took me out for a ride in the car and showed me how to use the clutch. Right. That still didn't really stick, but it, <laughs> that didn't really work. He tried, but he did not, did not really work. <laughs> so the family social media success plan, how can our listeners get a hold of one? Well, depending on when they're listening to this, it's either on pre-order or you can get it tomorrow. Come to techwellness.com. We'll also provide a link below in the show notes. But if you visit techwellness.com and you put in family social media plan, up it will pop. Order yours now. It's good. Yeah, the book is set up so that people can be aware of things that they wouldn't normally be aware of, or they're just used to doing things yes. that they like the smell of their laundry detergent yes. and they've just been using that all their lives when in fact the fragrances i dedicate a big part of the book just talking about fragrances alone because largely there are probable carcinogens and the big categories are certainly in the 60 to 80,000 man-made chemicals that are created every year and blasted into our Wait, environment why why are they created the chemicals who's saying yes we need more chemicals well this again it's the industry it's the industry of like, it becomes a profit and power over the health and safety of the individual. So where do pharmaceutical drugs come from? Well, you can argue that 50 to 70% of the pharmaceutical drugs that are created in our world were inspired by a natural compound, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can't create an intellectual patent or a any sort of patent on something that was created in nature. So okay. to create chemicals allows you to create your own products and allows you to patent, allows you to control, allows you okay. to create something outside of nature. Whereas white willow bark was the first aspirin. But now if you create aspirin, it has a lot of side effects and can cause a lot of downstream effect as opposed to white willow bark doesn't have those same side effects. So fatal conveniences is exposing a lot of the things that we're doing in this world that we want to believe are safe. That if we go to a store, we go to a grocery store, we don't expect that these products will be harmful. We don't expect that the petroleum polyurethane diapers that we're buying for our children that have also have absorbents, chemicals, and fragrances in there that are also infinitely connected to, there's about three to six different endocrine disrupting compounds. In the diapers. Even in a diaper. And you're putting on your child and you're not knowingly want to harm your child, right? And so you have things like PFOS, a forever chemical that shows up. Now it's reinfecting us back in our tap water because we've been using it and it bioaccumulates in our environment. And that can be in a stain resistant t-shirt. It could be in stain resistant carpet. It could be in stain resistant fabric and your bedding. It could be on your leather seat you're sitting on driving right now. So that wicking ability, hell, takeaway cartons, fast food wrappers, all of it have a level of these chemicals. And PFOS is a derivative of Teflon. It's heat resistant, it's yes. slippery, it's really good at its job, but it also has 9,000 different 
derivatives of that top Teflon chemical and it's a bioaccumulator and it's a probable carcinogen connected to kidney cancer, liver cancer, endocrine disrupting. And we call these things forever chemicals because it doesn't go away. And we have examples of this in our world. DDT was created in 1972 mm-hmm. as a pesticide and that bioaccumulates. And, mm-hmm. and we now have seen studies in the last couple of years that girls today and boys, but the study was specifically adolescent girls still have DDT in their blood. I love the book because I love all of this substantiation. It's just such a wild eye opener. And you've researched all of these things. And I, by the way, I live (laughs) what I would say an organic lifestyle, holistic, organic, natural lifestyle. You caught me really off guard with clothing. You did. (laughs) And I want you to talk a little bit about that, but you know, it's, go ahead. Talk about the the clothing. Yeah, clothing was surprising to me too, actually. It's just something that I naturally was aware of, and I was aware of it from my father, from Mm -hmm. the off-gassing of the two. Because my dad was this professor and intellectual, but he also had this wild streak. So he was like, he would like to ride motorcycles and Harley Davidsons and all this stuff. So he'd have these Harley Davidson shirts with these heavy prints. Oh, right. And so the formaldehydes and dyes would come off of that stuff. So that got my attention a while ago. So I was always like, no, like if I have a shirt or someone gave me a shirt, I'm gonna leave it outside. And like, but when I met my good buddy, Jeff Garner, he's a fashion designer way ahead of his time. 20 years has been dying high fashion, right? He's getting ready right now for London Fashion Week again. And he was dying stuff with barks and natural lavender he was dying because he was seeing the chemicals being used by the way to give you an understanding let's take the most widely bought piece of uh, article of clothing and that is a t-shirt on average americans buy about five new t-shirts every year okay Okay? not crazy Mm -hmm. but then when you start adding things up of how that was created 99% of that cotton is the most highly toxically sprayed crop in the world. So a conventionally grown cotton is genetically modified and heavily sprayed with many different types of pesticides, herbicides, larvicides, fungicides. And this is 100% natural cotton. This is, yeah, this is just cotton. cotton. Yeah. Okay. And then the inputs of water... And the environmental impact on that is extraordinary. That's how it's starting. And then when you're getting into the dyeing, the bleaching, the washing, the coloring, all of that stuff, you have 8,000 different chemicals that have interacted with that t-shirt to make (sighs) your t-shirt. And thousands of liters of water to make a t-shirt. And all of that water now is exposed, now is chemicalized, now is back in the environment that is back in the soil, that is back in the ocean, that is now back in your own water supply because your tap water has not the sophistication for to filter out right. the PFAS, the formaldehydes, yes. the phthalates, the, everything that you wanted your t-shirt to be yes. is looping back into. So that as an example of one article of clothing right and it's the clothing is the second largest polluter on the planet 
So think you're like, what? Mind-boggling. Be- because it's, it's petroleum. It's the, the petroleum, the nylons, the elastane, the stretchy jeans that you have, the wicking of your tight blouse or shirt or athletic right. gear or yoga pants. Yeah, that was Hello. a big one, yoga pants. Like, it is gnarly what those are made of. And I believe you, and I want to do something about it. Yeah, me too. What do I do? Well, there is no answer as of now that I know of a good yoga pant. We're looking into it. And when I say that, so I'm not going to name drop, but one of the very, very, one of the most highly visible celebrities in the world really cares about this stuff and wants to change it. So I'm currently working on a documentary with Jeff Garner oh. on the clothing industry. Okay. And one of the things is trying to institute and instigate the change for this stuff. So yoga pants is a big one. And I think of things like start with your underwear first. Okay. Start with the things that are close to you. You know, Because we're absorbing this as well. We're absorbing it. Not it's, just polluting, but right, we're absorbing. Right. Your sensitive tissue mm-hmm. has potentially more transdermal effect. And then that also sneaks into makeup and things like that mm-hmm. too that you're putting on all the time. So underwear, we wash yeah. it a few times, then are we good? I mean, <laughs> older clothes is always better. Because they've had a chance to, if they're made out of nylon and stretchy material and polyurethane mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, most of that stuff is that. And it's, so it's never really good to have. So 100% wow. organic cotton. Jeff has some of those options. Prophetic is his company. I have no financial gain by saying that. Is he, it comfortable? Very And comfortable. cute? Very because comfortable. I'll yeah, tell you, yeah. I was... And the original organic mom. I mean, my kids got their stuff sent to school (laughs) and all homemade, never, no soda, no McDonald's, nothing. Yeah, it was great. They were a little embarrassed, but I also had them in organic clothing. But back then, we're Mm. talking 30 years ago, it was not comfortable. The materials did not feel good on your body. So has that changed? Yes, scratchy, not not happy. Yeah, Jeff's is pushing the envelope on stuff. He's making some clothes for me right now because it's like the problem for me, like everything I'm wearing, he, he made. Okay, cool. Right? Looks so great. The, these pants and these this shirt and all of that. Even stuff. with he, the piping. Yeah, nice. He, that is amazing. It's amazing. So it's we have answers. And so part of the and I have some other TV shows that I want to do, and really it's about instigating change too. Mm-hmm. There's some incredible innovators, right? There's some great and I highlight a ton of clothing manufacturers and other solutions in the book. Last third of book is all solutions, right? I love to, you, that. to your point with EMFs, there's always a solution. Yes. You just have to be aware of it and then also be willing to make some changes. If you have blue jeans are pretty horrible for the environment, right? Mm-hmm. Blue jeans are tough because they emit about 50,000 micro bits of plastic every wash. So if you I have old clothes, yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. This is kind of a fun thing to do for shopping. Upcycling is great. And there's some very cool upcycling companies out right, there that, that yeah. can take older clothes and revamp them. Yes. I got some cool jeans that are one of a kind and they're not more expensive, but they're like, they're so unique. Yes, You can find your own fashion by using older clothes and upcycling and all of that stuff. Plus you then don't have the same kind of chemical 
exposure from that perspective. That's if good you, to hear. Yeah. So if you can afford 100% organic plant-dyed clothes, then yeah, get it. And I realize that they are more expensive and they're not at scale. But if you can buy clothes that are not heavily dyed okay. and or let them air out, wear and buy older clothes, right? Upcycle, find vintage clothing, go on Etsy. Like in the fire, I lost all my kind of vintage Harley Davidson shirts. So every so often I'll go on Etsy and I'll look at, oh, I'll see this 1983 Harley Davidson shirt that was similar to the one that I had and I buy it. And it's like, it's old. I pay a little <laughs> more for it, even though I had one. Right. But I, it's a fun thing that I get to do that I then don't have to think I need to buy that brand new piece of clothing all the time. And plus, with things like this, they're well-made mm -hmm. and you pay a little more and they just last. Well, you know? I just think even just for the earth you're talking 100%. about, you know, everything that we're doing for the planet. What is the one thing that either surprised you the most or that you tell people about the most as something that was a fatal convenience that you will avoid more than anything? Oh, man. Is I there mean, one? I know there's so many. There's, so many. This book is so dense, yeah. really, with yeah. so many facts and so many things. It's like a guidebook that you should yeah. just have sitting yeah. on the table and consult whenever you're going to do anything 100%. beforehand. 100%. Yeah. Right? If, if people just bought it and just opened up a page and read, that's a good way to kind of start. So yes. it's not overwhelming. Yes. And then you can flip to the back and go, oh, there's all these DIYs of laundry yes. soap and deodorant and laundry detergent and shampoo and body washes. You can do a lot of DIY yes. stuff and it's fun to do. I see moms doing it with their children and making all this stuff. The things that alarm me the most is when it affects children mm -hmm. and pets, right? Because oh, the pets have no sovereignty. They're, they love you. And when you start seeing things that PFAS is on carpets and your children are crawling on these mm -hmm. things and your pets are on these things, baby bibs that have PFAS on it, that they're food and they're wiping and they're putting in their mouth like these oh. are chemicals and the, of course then the emfs with children is just so alarming and then one little one that's just because it's going in your mouth and that's things like dental floss the dental floss when the they come up with the dupont came up with the that slippery yes material that mysterious slippery material that you're like well it's can't be all that bad but when you find out that it's that derivative of teflon and pfos and i saw one study directly calling out one of the companies saying this is connected to kidney cancer so think about all of these fatal conveniences are little things you're doing every day exposing you and so if you add that up over time that's where the danger is and right? you call it the cumulative load yeah. Yeah, the right? cumulative body burden. That's it. And that's what happens with EMFs. It's what happens with ultra-processed food. It happens with red number 40 and your Gatorade. All these things connected to ADD and ADHD. Like, again, all of these from clothing to fragrances to colognes to your deodorants and stuff, all connected to the EMFs, of course. All of those expressing... 
very similar but different pathways of potential cancers and stress responses, free radical oxygen species, senescence disruptions, your body's inability for those pathways to get rid of dead cells that naturally happen. When that gets thwarted, then the environment on a cellular level changes and carcinogenic activity can happen. That shows up also in the EMF research. And that's that stuff is then you're starting to go, oh, that's a potential of why that's causing cancer, right? So you're seeing all of these things from all of these different directions. And I uh, totally understand people are overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by this stuff. I can totally get that. And I am not free of everything. You and I, there's EMFs hitting us right now, but we do our best. I don't eat ultra processed food, right? I grow as much food as I can. And now that that. part of your life, that's been that way for a long time, hasn't it? Like you've been like a natural guru for many years. Yeah, yeah. It just felt better to you? You just knew it? In terms of what? Of just doing the right thing for your body. Yeah, I mean, once, you know, it's like, you get used to who you are, who you think you are based on what you're doing. And so when you get to kind of make changes for your health, you realize that, oh, wow, I feel better, right? And so I didn't just show up here one day being healthy. It's many accumulative positive benefits that you add up. And then next thing you know, it's like we are the summation of our habits. We are the summation of our discipline. We're the summation of our actions. And you have an awareness, and hopefully people are walking away with an awareness today of something that they haven't heard of or haven't been aware of. And then once you have the awareness, the key is to take action on it and to implement. Now, if you choose not to, that's on you, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you take that, like discipline to me and taking something, especially when you get to integrate and you get to take a positive thing that will be beneficial to you, call it exercise, right? When you get to do that every day, you get to build a strong body, right? And when you get to keep away ultra-processed food and eat whole, healthy, delicious, fresh food, you get the benefit of that. The next, even that moment and the next day and the next day and the next day, same with this kind of overall body burden of these chemicals. Again, we didn't have this choice. Why is it that all of these chemicals that are created barely are tested? Maybe 10%, maybe. And none of them are tested as they interact with one another. So we're definitely in a bad experiment. And so the key for us is to become aware of it. That was part one of August's conversation with Darren Olin, recorded recently up in Malibu at his studio and at his house. Uh, We've got video content from that whole day that is just amazing that you can see on Tech Wellness over the next few weeks. And I think you're going to enjoy it. The way he lives his life, he is very true to his beliefs and his values. And uh, he, that guy, is doing some stuff that most people don't. You know, and we didn't talk a lot about this, but he Mm -hmm. also wrote the book Super Life, the New York Times bestseller. So you want to pick up that book and you also want to pick up Fatal Conveniences and get on Amazon. You can download it to Kindle. I'm going to put a link in the show notes and on the website. One other thing, make sure that you like and follow the podcast so that when the next episode of Darren Aline comes out, you'll get it right away. 
See you next time. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. I hope you loved it. If you do like what you've heard, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. For more tools and information to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world and navigate those tech toxins, follow Tech Wellness on all the usual social media channels and head over to techwellness.com for resources, videos, solutions, and so much more. I'm August Bryce. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well.